Hello and welcome to episode 149. We're just about there, boys. Hey, hey. Along the carpet until we get past it. So, <laughs> mid podcast. Mid-off because by midway through, you'll probably want to switch off. I'm your host, the man voted most likely to be forfeited against Mick, and let me introduce <laughs> to the rest of the team. Our first co-host is the man voted most likely to have a back lawn covered in plastic netting. Welcome, Alex. Uh, hey, guys. Um, there's even more plastic netting on it, by the way. But I just wanted to say that today I've eaten half a tub of ice cream uh, for dessert. So I've already achieved what I set out to achieve today. So this is just cherry on top. This is us. So I'm pretty positive at the moment. So good luck, guys. All righty. Next up is the man voted most likely to be the world's first silent podcast host. Welcome, David. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Hello, everyone. (laughs) And finally, the man voted most likely to have to miss hanging out with the boys because he has a five-year-old's birthday party. Welcome, Rob. I'll be there. I've already organised. There's a big flow diagram of where you end up for Ross. So welcome one and all to the Frederick Howard Sock Company Studios. This is a tight ship production brought to you by Big Lug Enterprises. So basically this whole episode is going to be under the banner of the cricket news because there's a fair bit of shit going fucking on in the last fortnight. And it's a pretty big fortnight when the most important story is Stu McGill getting kidnapped. But all right, so... We're going to start off with the one that's at the front of everyone's mind at the moment. And that is that fuck it, it does yoga from WA and a bit of, bit more ball tampering talk because that's what we really <laughs> So once again, we're talking about the yoga fuckheads. In a recent interview with The Guardian <laughs> in the UK, Bancroft made the comment, yeah, obviously what I did benefits bowlers. And the awareness around that probably is self-explanatory. Had I had better awareness, I would have made much better decisions. When pushed to elaborate, Bancroft responded, "Uh, yeah, look, I think, yeah, I think it's pretty probably self-explanatory. Fucking hell, Cameron. Um, (laughs) Speaking in riddles. So since that was first released, and we'll touch on a bit and then we'll open up. Since that was first released, Cricket Australia have actually reached out to Bancroft and said, "We're we're happy to open the investigation back up again if you have anything more to add, to which he replied to them, he does not have any significant new information to share with the governing body. So, which kind of is a backflip for those who are fucking playing at home. I'm pretty much what he said. <laughs> so, um, everyone knows my thoughts on Bancroft and there's no point in me really going on another rant right now. So, um, Alex, what do you think about this whole situation? Uh, I think... Uh, the bowlers knew, right? That's what I think. Yeah. Um, and I think the whole team knew. Coaches, everyone. Uh, maybe some support staff. Maybe the physio didn't know. I'll leave it there. Maybe <laughs> marketing team probably didn't know. But I reckon there was... Ben Dovey. Yeah, Ben Dover, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Well, he's team, team manager yeah. or whatever the fuck yeah. he is. Team yeah, he's going to get rid of him. Yeah. Team's yeah. organiser. Yeah, team yeah. staff. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it was, it's an interesting thing. I don't know. Some stuff happened in the background after that interview. I also didn't think Cam Bancroft was smart enough not to just drop a massive bomb and say, yes, they definitely knew and here's how. Like, he spoke in innuendo enough for him to not be, like, liable in any sort of, you know, slanderous comments, right? So I didn't think he was that smart, so I'll give him some credit there. But 
think you're giving him too much credit. But, anyway. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, I, I think what he's saying is the truth in, in any window speak. But, yeah, that's just my opinion, right? There's no evidence but other than what people have said. So It uh, brings up interesting questions about how thorough the investigation was at the time because only a handful of people were interviewed, which didn't include all the playing alert. Um, yeah, none of the bowlers, right? Yeah, yeah. So, curious thing. Um, it's hard to believe that um, Bancroft wouldn't have put a little bit more thought into his answer before he sort of bumbled his way through that. He just <laughs> said, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, just Jeez, me. No, just me. Yeah. Me and, me and DW. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he calls him. David Dub. David Dub. He Dub. And um, then he, I thought Stu, Stuart Broad's take on it was interesting too. He said, of course, they would have known. If I, he said that James Anderson, now this goes to a little bit of the culture that the English cricket team apparently is bad culture, according to I think it was KP, that um, the bowlers were big, big meanies in the um, England dressing room. Uh, Stu yeah. said that if he misses the scene by a couple of millimetres, Jimmy will run over to him, berate him for mucking <laughs> balls. So, yes. Yeah. Like from an Australian supporter, that I read that and it made me angry reading that. I'm just like, fuck off. Like, <laughs> I know it's this like this witty like banter and shit. It would have been a joke or something like that, right? Shit joke. <laughs> like in the game, I think it happened, but I think you know there might have been a scuff that he know and you know. Whatever, anyway, and it just pissed me off. That, that, he stunned him on the head with the ball. Said, Don't do that again. <laughs> and crow pecked him with the ball. In the <laughs> well, you know about crow pecking, Ross. So. I wouldn't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> I um, actually made a couple of notes on this scenario, so uh, no, surprise, surprise. Uh, one thing I did want to say, Mick, is uh, Bancroft mentions that if he had better awareness, he may not have done that um, <laughs> act. May not. Was, was this his first game of cricket ever, was it? Yeah, it was. Um, a lot of people don't realise that um, this he got plucked from obscurity. Someone saw him um, in the mall juggling. <laughs> he just plucked him out of obscurity and dropped him in the Like, I know he would have been under pressure from Davy Dubs or whatever, but surely, as a bloke who's played professional cricket for as long as he has, you'd go, uh, yeah, no thanks, mate. Anyway. Yeah. It's bad culture in the team, as we saw from the report printed on that baggy green paper. Mm, true. Yeah. Yeah. Michael Clark wanted to pile in. Surprise, uh, surprise. Um, yeah, everyone's favourite. See that one coming. I'm surprised. Rent a comment. He's going to yeah. be the new Chapelli or Chapman <laughs> on when he gets a bit older, I reckon. I'm, um, like, I'm yeah. surprised he didn't offer to come out of retirement and help out. <laughs> <laughs> one thing I can you know, say, I'd say with certainty, is he won't mind bagging out these blokes because he doesn't have any mates in the team because he doesn't yeah. have any mates who play Yeah, cricket. that's right. He doesn't, have any doesn't worry him. <laughs> Full he, he claimed the entire bowling group were good mates of his in his yeah. interview. Funny I was like, really? Yeah. It didn't sound like it from their response. Um, <laughs> yeah. Which I've got here, which we'll read out in a minute, unless you've got it. No, no, I haven't, so I'll let you read that. But I just wanted to say, um, Michael Clark suggests that, you know, obviously the bowlers know the condition of the ball, and he went through some bullshit about his bat, who cares? But <laughs> <laughs> It was great. It was great. Read it out if you could. Oh, I haven't got it here, but he said, you know, if I put a text mark under my 
on the toe of my bat, under my grip, on the shoulder, anywhere on my bat, I would know. And therefore, yeah. you just drew a little number one. one. He said, if, if yeah, someone drew a little number one, anywhere on my bat, I would. But he's dyslexic, so if it was a two, he wouldn't notice. Yeah, he wouldn't have seen it. But yeah. I think it comes back to the point that the umpires didn't change the ball. So, you know, if so, obviously it didn't look that bad if the umpires didn't change the nurry. So. Yeah. If the bowlers knew, that means that they were part of the plan, not because they could tell by grabbing the nut, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. if they knew, they knew, and they were involved in it, and it's because it's they were part of the plan. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting that uh, since the whole thing blew up in Cape Town, Dave Warner has no longer fiddled it mid-off with the huge men of tape around. Yeah, strange, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is it's weird. Odd. Yeah, weird. Right? That's all. And, you know, and all it, that time off, these broken, two broken thumbs to heal. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's um, interesting. Mitchell Stark hasn't swung a ball since he yeah. I think the um, <laughs> oh, you'll obviously read their bowlers' response, Mick, but they obviously don't think Bancroft's going to be playing for Australia again. Um, well, he must not either, judging by what he's currently doing. But they've, <laughs> they've labelled the claims by past players as nonsense. So they've put him, they put him firmly in the past players category. That's for sure. I wouldn't mind being at the next WA New South Wales game that the three big uh, play in. Uh, if Bancroft's playing, it might be prime time viewing if he can not get caught behind down leg side for an overall two. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the one thing that does ship me about this is we'll go back. Um, Stuart Broad, glass houses, mints in the pocket. Not exactly the same, but it's in the fucking same realm of thought, mate. So you just shut your fucking big blonde-headed fucking mouth. The other thing that does my head in with this, and I refuse to have it fucking reported this way because it shits me to fucking tears. The junior member of the squad, Cam Brancock. Give me a fucking spell. The cunt's not 14. He's just in his, like, fifth test. He's not fucking a junior. He's not in fucking fifth grade of the Eastern Cricket Association with some big, angry fucking 40-year-old cunt like me yelling at him to fucking do it. He's <laughs> enough cricket to know not to do that. He's not a yeah. child being picked on by a fucking adult. So that's that junior membership needs to stop by the media and the people on Facebook who like to defend him because it's fucking bullshit. Um, alrighty, so we'll talk about. Well, I've got the bowlers' response here, so we'll read that. So, um, so that basically the quartet, which is Cummins, Hazelwood, Stark, and Lyon, put out a joint statement. Yes, Alex. Just to jump in there, just uh, got some, did a bit of research, Davy Bull style here, talking <laughs> about senior to junior members. David Water is 34 years old, Cam Backcroft is 28 years old, so the six year difference. It's not a decade, it's not 20 years, it's not. <laughs> They're the same age in my mind, right? When Warner was 18, though, Bancroft was 12. So there was different. Maybe you bullied him then and just scarred him forever. (laughs) (laughs) In 34 years, we're both going to be playing Australian cricket. You better rub sandpaper on the ball, you little shit. (laughs) Uh, So the bowler's response was, uh, we pride ourselves on our honesty. So it's been disappointing to see that our integrity has been questioned by some journalists and past players in recent days in regard to the Cape Town test of 2018. We've already answered questions many times on this issue, but we feel compelled to put the key facts on the record again. One, we did not know a foreign substance was taken onto the field to alter the condition of the ball until we saw the images on the big screen at Newlands. Two, and to those despite the absence of evidence, insisted we must have known. 
about the use of a foreign substance simply because we are bowlers. We say this. The umpires during that test match, Nigel Long and Richard Illingworth, both very respected and experienced umpires, inspected the ball after the images surfaced on the TV coverage and did not change it because there was no sign of damage. None of this excuses what happened on the field that day at Newlands. It was wrong and it should never have happened. We have all learned valuable lessons and would like to think the public can see a change for the better in terms of the way we play, the way we behave and, the res and respect the game. Our commitment to improving as people and players will continue. We respectfully request an end to the rumour, mongering and innuendo. It has gone on too long and it is time to move on. So... That's their version of events, and that's what it is. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. Most people won't believe them, and I can understand why most people don't believe them. They make a fair point about, like, and Bull made it as well, about the umpires not changing the ball. To everyone out there, and I said this in our private talks, to everyone out there saying that the bowlers should have known just by looking at the ball that something was up, bowlers are fucking dumb, right? Mm. Fast bowlers are fucking dumb. Dumb. All I have played with some fast hey. bowlers that you could have had a red ball for the first ball, chucked them a white ball for the second ball. <laughs> they, they would not have fucking noticed because they are fucking dumb. <laughs> yes, Alex. I know from my perspective, man, Leggy, I could not give a shit what condition the ball is in at <laughs> any point in time. I act like I, like, you know, shine it in between balls, but yeah. Yes, David. If bowlers are dumb, how dumb are bowling coaches? <laughs> oh, David, no. David Saker must be happy just to have yeah, a BBL contract for the rest of his life because oh. he's not getting that set up anytime soon again. We said, like, today the Renegades have announced that he's going to be their coach going forward. So he knew he was about to come back into the Cricket Australia system. <laughs> he just the fucking hand grenade the day before it gets fucking announced. It's like... Yeah. like like, I love you because you're Victorian, David, but fucking hell, you make it hard, mate. Jesus oh, yeah. Christ. My word. So, do you reckon the journalist that interviewed Cam Bancroft that egged out this answer right? I don't assume, I'm assuming Cam Bancroft didn't go to the journalist and say, I want to talk about what happened in Newlands. It was either, with, it was, on a, was it on a podcast or something that the newspaper was doing or something? Oh, okay. Newspaper interview, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, so... I don't know, he probably would have done it for publicity reasons or something like that, or maybe for his club, whatever. But it's interesting that like, one guy got this one question answered in a way that's not no, or as Davey or somebody said, don't know. Mm. Um, is, is it got, and then another journalist has got Saken, if I could come out and say something dumb as well. And it's just like, what is... Don't think of it. They tried very hard. Don't think they had to really push. No, it. no, that's what I mean. Like he would have just thrown it out there, going, "He's going to say no," and he's like, "Oh fuck, Jesus!" But based on, yes, like, yes. You know, based on when we, based on when we normally tour South Africa, and I might be wrong, but hear me out. Based yeah. on when we normally tour South Africa, and that being in 2018, it's pretty much three years ago. Yeah, exactly. Pretty much. Yep. That was that cunt so fucking dumb that in the space of 36 fucking months, he hasn't learned when someone asked him that question to go, you know what, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. <laughs> I've served my sentence. I've done my time. You know, I did the wrong thing. And now I want to move past it. I don't want to speak about it anymore. No comment, How Your Honour. fucking dumb is he that just fucking keep talking about it? Well, I think He's David, David Saker brought up a good point because he said, well, not a good point, but he, he, point. he said this. He made a point. <laughs> he said that um, it's going to keep being talked about. Why? Because 
you, you answered the question. Someone put the question to you and you answered. That's what it's going to be talking about because you, you're talking about it. It's not other people. It's you. It's because you were there. Involved can't fucking stop talking about it. That's what yeah, that's it. Send them to the yeah, hate. He said, he said it was going to be like the underarm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I reckon anyone underneath the age of our age really knows anything about the underarm internet mm. and or cares anymore. Oh, yeah. it's just like fucking acting like we're the first team, or we. They oh. acted like Australia yeah. is the first team to ever bloody tamper with a ball. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. Can you eat a Freddy sandpaper teeth, for fuck's sake? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least we didn't bite the nurry. We tried to hide it a bit. <laughs> yeah, it, it, will, it will keep coming back, but the fact that they did it, like it's yeah, and like the the bowlers yeah, can't just involved is retired. It won't stop. <laughs> no, no, but like honestly, until yeah, oh yeah, I thought you meant like just Warner, retire them all now. Like <laughs> gone, Smith's gone, Cummings and Stark and all that are out of the side. Yeah, it's going to get brought up. Yeah, yeah, and I I don't appreciate the bowlers saying telling people who were. Adjacent to cheating, let's say mm-hmm. they're in a side that cheated, telling everyone now's the time to stop talking about how we cheated. Yeah, yeah. Like, fuck off. We'll we can we'll choose when we want to stop talking about it, and the, you know, mm. right journalists now. and everyone at large, but not you, fucking yeah. twelve people that were yeah. in the side. If I was Pat Cummings and I legitimately didn't or believe I didn't do anything wrong, mm. and I've got Michael Clark with his peaky blinders fucking haircut on the radio every second day fucking potting me, I'd fucking get... I'd put a statement out telling him to go fuck himself as well. So. Yeah, yeah. I'd send him a text message as well. Go fuck yourself. I'd, I'd ask him where his address was and go around with a cricket bat. Go, he's the number one cunt. Bang. <laughs> Did you see that one? Yeah. C-bomb quota field. There is a lot of peaky blinders about... Um, there is a lot of people blind. Like that's a worrying trend because it started with Shane Warren. Now it's crossing over to his best mate, Michael. Oh, that's who he can hang out with. Michael Clark. Yeah, you know, with Warney. You know, his my, mate. Um, yeah. my favourite part. His one mate. Besties. Cricket friend. My favourite part about every time Michael Clark has a comment is that it's either Fox Sports or cricket. Must be Fox Sports. Have this one photo of him from doing commentary where he's like licking his teeth, but they've frozen it as he's got his, like, tongue over his teeth and he looks like he's fucking should be on the short bus somewhere. And they fucking oh, I'm going to find this. And they oh, I'm going to find every this. Every single time they write a fucking article about him, it's fantastic. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, speaking of boys getting hit over the head, we're going to talk about Stu McGill getting kidnapped. Jesus oh, Christ. Jesus. The second most... <laughs> well, probably not in what the most important story now. Oh. So... Oh, it's current in our wheelhouse, bro. This is just something else altogether. And we still, three weeks later, still don't have really all of the information. um, So basically, (laughs) the headline of this part of my agenda is Stu McGill kidnapping. There's three words I never thought I would say to (laughs) you. Yeah. (laughs) Unless it was Stu McGill kidnapping Shane Warne on the end, maybe. (laughs) About, about 98. I might have thought that. <laughs> so, um, New South Wales police said the arrest, which took place after the raids were conducted across Sydney on Wednesday, were the result of a two week long investigation. Police allege McGill had been approached and confronted in the Sydney suburb of Cremorne one evening by a 46 year old man he knew. 
The two other men then appeared in the Group 4CX cricketer into a car. He was driven to a remote site in Bringley on the city's outskirts. Sounds like it might be like the fucking Campbellfield of Sydney, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, where he was allegedly assaulted and threatened at gunpoint by the criminal gang. Yes, Did you see what the house looked like? No. It's fucking straight out of Breaking Bad. It's like oh. where people in movies take people they've kidnapped <laughs> to fucking pour water in their face and pull out their nails and shit. I'll be like, if I was getting dragged in there, I would be like, oh, just kill me. Like, I don't want to go through the torture. Like, end me now. So, uh, <laughs> so after about an hour, he was driven to the southwest suburb of Belmore and released, the police said. Authorities said no money was handed over or obtained in the course of the attack, but the kidnapping attempt had been financially motivated. Police said McGill's ordeal was not involved in any backstory that led to him having a personal debt to other people and that he was solely being treated as the victim of targeted kidnapping. So the word is the APB went out and they were looking for a green man made of plasticine and a a orange horn. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, So basically, 46-year-old bloke is the brother of his either ex or current girlfriend. Current girlfriend. Current girlfriend. And apparently, he may owe some big bucks to some people you do not want to owe big bucks to, apparently. Yeah. So there was some rumour and scuttlebutt that Stu McGill was not just a victim of the kidnapping, but uh, fair gossip and slander, in my opinion, about his involvement in this. So uh, New South Wales Police were at pains to state that he's nothing more than a victim of the kidnapping, as it was suggested by some online that he may have been involved in some sort of a drug deal gone bad. But one of the things that surprised me about this, aside from, you know, Stu McGill getting kidnapping, which is surprising in itself, but he's um, managing a restaurant for his current girlfriend. I thought he'd be on some anchorage somewhere potting around a little vineyard. Yeah, that's a good point. Yes, that was- Shows how memorable my segments on this podcast are because I did a fucking segment on Stuart McGill which said he's the manager of Arist- Aristotle's fucking with his partner, blah, 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 blah. So I'm pretty offended. I thought that was a vineyard, Alex. Yeah, I think it's interesting that he's, not that he's managing a restaurant, but that he's managing a Greek restaurant. And as I recall, he's not Greek. Just, just no, surprising for me. McGill, yeah. not from the Greek Isles. I don't think that no. last name. No. Malaka, I think he's um, meant to be. Then he'd be Greek. Yeah. Getting into getting into some uh, some dicey, cut it out territory here. I think. Maybe, oh, okay. maybe your name's like Stavos McGill, and he just goes by Stuart, so it'd be easy to play cricket. That's his Australian name. There you go. Yes. Uh, let's see. Um, yeah. I was good to see that on his, the, uh, his I'm, initials are actually CSK. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it, it's uh, I'm the kiss of death here, so I'm waiting for uh, uh, Bracken to get kidnapped in the next couple of months because I've also done a segment on him as well. So, fingers crossed for Nathan B. As they say in the classic, Nick, as much as the cops might have been at pains to say he wasn't involved other than being a victim, I say, as they say in the classics, more to come. Yeah. <laughs> Real Peaky Blinders stuff, that's what I think. Oh, yeah. Oh, a lot of Peaky Blinders about this one, lad. Yeah, quite a lot of Peaky Blinders. I'm just going to say, there hasn't been a story that's come out since... Oh, for 10 days on this story. I would have mm. thought there'd be a follow-up, like, they've yeah. found two other people, or here's what it is. They've interviewed the guy. It's very interesting. It was just like, he got kidnapped, they've arrested someone, nothing. I'm fucking back. 
Fucking Sorry, story. my internet crashed. Um, <laughs> I didn't even notice you'd gone. <laughs> yeah, well, that's no, they're the little listeners, to be honest. They won't know either. <laughs> won't know any different. Uh, yeah, the thing I think out of all this story, the thing that is most surprising is that he still managed to have a full head of hair on that giant head of his. So, like, oh, yeah. him for that. Well done. Big silver mane on that giant, massive dome that he's rocking. Another thing I got out of this thing was that Aristotle's um, restaurant need to get rid of their promo shots, include with with uh, McGill in them because there's some horrendous, weird ones where he's like leaning over wine bottles, grinning at the camera with his forehead down, look look like a weird freak of a human. Like you're not going to get people into your restaurant with a photo of him on your front door. That's just how he looks, mate. Yeah, he's a weird looking human being. Big head, but big brain, so. <laughs> big brain. That's why his head's he looks big. A bit like, he looks a bit like umpire Maria Rasmus. To be he does look a bit like Murray. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't blown out um, as much as. Uh, there's no spinnaker chest on him, so. Mm, okay. yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Alrighty, I don't think we can really add too much more to that, but it's just fucking. There's always something going on in the world of cricket. But... Yeah, I think oh, yeah. stiff shit for Stu. Really, yeah, like it's it, not so. great for him. Poor bastard. Nah, fuck, fuck. Oh, I can't imagine it. Like you have PTSD from something like that, would you? Yeah, we shouldn't make too much yeah. light of it. Should be. Yeah, no, that's, um, no. I suppose that's what happens when you get mixed up in drugs. Oh, did I say oh. that? Oh, he's just a victim. Allegedly, oh, allegedly. allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> Would a cop lie, Ross? Would a cop lie? Would a New no. South Wales cop lie, Ross? <laughs> I think they strip searched him when he came in to do his statement. We're getting too political. Let's move on. Uh, Bent is an elbow. The most concerning thing of the whole situation was they threatened to let the sculptor who did the shame warn sculptor make the statue for the end. Like, like, no one needs that in their life. I'll tell you everything you need to know. Very <laughs> top-heavy statue. Alrighty, so um, speaking of statues outside of cricket grounds, I'm sure Greg Chappell's got one, so let's talk about him. Yes, good segue. In a move that will surprise no one, Greg Chappell's put together another proposal of how to change cricket in Australia. Mm. So um, this time, Greg's focus is on the Australian domestic setup and trying to create a system that will be more beneficial to young cricketers. Because you know what? He did so well with the Caxi, and we really need to keep that momentum. In the Futures League. Futures um, League under 23. Yeah. So, um, basically the key points, that, there's a few key points that Greg's noted. I haven't, I'm not going to read the whole article, just do the dot points, and we can have a bit of a chat about each one. So, his first big one is he wants the Sheff- Sheffield Shield to start in August slash September and finish Oof. up by December. So, basically, the early fixtures will be played in the north of the country in Alice Springs and Queensland, where the weather's a little bit more friendly to being able to prepare pitches at that time of year. And then as the um, season progresses, it'll basically move south into the traditional um, cricket venues that the states use and hopefully will be used, will be played in a few, go back to being played in the test venues a little bit more as well to help them prepare their pitches for their test matches. So um, my opinion on this, I think it actually probably has some merit. Because um, it will allow the players like the Harrises and Pekovskis and Cam Greens and all these that are pushing for test selection to have a good bulk of first class and shield cricket, pushing them into um, putting their hand up for test cricket. So actually, I actually don't mind this as a um, as a theory and an idea 
What are your thoughts, David? What about the blokes who play footy? Fucking hell, don't make them choose between <laughs> footy and cricket. <laughs> oh, what will Alex Keith do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's all I've got to say. <laughs> yes, Alexander. This is, um, I agree, it's good to have a longer format game um, leading up to Test Series in Australia. Um, but I will say I don't know how much impact that will have because we don't play Shield cricket all year round when there's overseas tours. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I get it. It will make a difference. There is, but, there is a second part to his reasoning for this that will help that as well. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. Yeah, no problems. No problems. Well, I look forward to hearing it, Nick. <laughs> yes, Roscoe. Yes, uh, I think it's got merit. And I just looked at um, how many weeks. They usually manage to do two Shield games across consecutive weekends and have a weekend off. So it takes three weeks to play two Shield games. <laughs> so if you start the first week of August, then there'll just be enough time to fit in uh, 18 weeks. Is, uh, hang on, three, carry the one, six, nine, <laughs> 17 weeks to get a Shield final in with 10 10 games in a final, 17 weeks. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, just a tick over four months or just on four months. So, yeah, they need to start right on early August to get it in before the BBL need to start whatever time it's going to start in December. Yeah. Yep. So it's doable. Mm. It's not these fanciful nonsense he came up with earlier where he wanted a buy or something in a Caxi yeah. team. Yeah. Put a bit more thought into it this time. Yeah. So um, his next two points kind of coincide with each other, but he wants to introduce two new teams into the domestic setup, um, which is something that's been echoed by Cal Ferguson and some others as well. And the other thing that, that ties that together, he also wants to um, create an AFL-style draft system to basically eliminate the state's warehousing talent. So... So in theory, that way, that way, someone like the Sacker or that would have more access to top quality talent that they clearly do not fucking have right now because they do not have fucking any cattle over there. <laughs> but um, so the, I think the two new teams is an interesting one. I wonder if we bring back Canberra because the Marnik is a test venue now. So they really, if we're going to bring in teams, the ACT would deserve its own first class team. Um, or again, oh no, they, they weren't first class, were they? They're just a one day team. Um, but um, I also think the other team should be based in Victoria because, fuck it, we deserve two because we're better than everyone. Fuck everyone. <laughs> if you can't be in Victoria, have one in the NT or Alice, I think. Yes, Alexander. I, for once, like this idea of a draft. I do too. Yeah. Like, it's always been the case that um, New South Wales is strong. It's a highest population state, well, very close to Victoria, but they've always been strong. They've always warehoused their talent. And, you know, South Australia has always been shit. Tassie's been, apart from a couple of years, always been shit. So, yep. well, it, it makes sense to do it this way. Uh, it, it really does. Like, I, I don't understand why we haven't done it before. It's funny how you don't even, I never even thought that would be a possibility until it's been mentioned. To a degree, not flat out, but. The whole state thing's not that important anymore. Marcus Harris is West Australian. David Hussey was West Australian. Mm. Like Matthew yep. Elliott went, like I know a lot of players do at the end of their careers, but Klinger went to South Australia. Like Tim Ludeman's Victorian, he went and played for South Australia. So it's um, it's happened over the journey. It's just, I don't think it's as prevalent as it is maybe in football or NRL or any other sport, basically. 
or, or even the BBL. The BBL is far more prevalent now. Um, but I think, yeah, I think by putting the two new teams in, you're going to have to do something like this anyway because say you do put one in Canberra and say, well, for argument's sake, we'll say you put one in Alice Springs so that's where the Shield finals have been. Yeah. So you put two teams there, they're not going to be able to build um, teams out of their state straight from scratch to be competitive. So you just wind up with another taxi situation. Yeah teams are just getting flogged. So I think this draft will actually allow for these states or sides to be built up. So I think it definitely has merit as well. Yes, Roscoe? Yeah, I agree with that. If they're going to put in new teams, they definitely need a draft because that's the issue. Where's the population centre? It's going to, they're going to get their players from. And um, I think that's a great idea to have the draft because how could South Australia be so weak for so consistently bad? Yeah. And you see players, they change states, but often they're established or they're a bit older. Like they're not moving to their second state till they're in their early 20s because they've got, you know, maybe there's three openers ahead of them but at WA, but there's no openers in Victoria. But they're already in their, uh, like between the age of 20 and 25 usually. Look at Stoinis, came over to Victoria. He was like 25 or something. And he's clearly got talent. Uh, why he couldn't be in a state system at 18, and then they're going, well, he's, you know, imagine if South Australia could get the two best 18-year-olds. I know cricket's not quite like football. They don't develop. Yeah. It's not as simple. Football seems a lot simpler. They, they basically don't muck up good players. Yeah. Cricket still seems to be... This is another thing. that, that um, States don't seem to be able to tell who's a good cricketer. Yeah. yeah. I was going to talk imagine about... These, yeah. Imagine these first few drafts. They'll be like the AFL draft back in the 80s. People just <laughs> laugh about, oh, they thought this guy would be good. You know? Yeah, yeah. They've got, I think... Clive Waterhouse, number one. Australia's <laughs> falling behind India and England. Is hmm, the, And this is another point Greg Chapel makes. India seem to be able to... I know they've got a heap of first-class teams, whatever, 25, whatever it is, 40, I don't know. But they seem to be able to pick the blokes out of those teams, a bit like Pakistan used to be able to do, pick blokes out of first-class cricket, and they're good test players. Okay, there's some fails in there. But, yeah. but we just, I know we do that too. Look at Pat Cummins. Okay, obvious. Get that one right. But to me, there's too many fails in the rung below. It's not professional. There's something missing there. We're yeah. not getting blokes going, Lloyd Pope, for example, like, you know, he's talked up. I know that's a bit of hype that's beyond his control because he took a seven But yeah. look at his development. Yeah, what has happened nowhere. to him? You know, I know that when they were at the um, Cricket Academy, it was in Adelaide and Rod Marsh was there, they said to him, we want every year, we want one 10-year test cricketer coming out of the academy. Yeah. And imagine if you get a 10-year first-class cricketer every time uh, out, of, out of the draft. You're saying, yeah, you know, yeah. that, that guy we're going to draft, he's going to be that. And I think there's too many fall by the wayside in what's a small pool anyway. It's like they get it wrong too often. Yeah, that's me. Yes, Alex. I was going to say one thing that might be a hindrance to this is I can't imagine the states have a huge talent program or like um, acquisition or talent finding yeah. departments because it's just sort of mm. like, well, let's look at the country championships or the, oh, we'll go down and watch the Premier League final, Premier Cricket final, and see what comes. It's really obvious where their players are coming from, yeah. whereas it might not be yeah. obvious for a Queensland recruiter what to watch in Victoria, if you know what I mean. So, so they'd have to but boost have that like, these, like the AFL clubs do. They have big talent programs. I think they're all stupid and 
not yeah, worth the money anyway, but they have a bigger, they can see more games and watch more players no, than I reckon they can. Just to jump in there, Alex, oh, you're probably right, but there is an under 17 or under 18, under 16 Australian carnival every year with all the true. states send their no, that's under true. 17, 18, 19, whatever. So maybe that just needs to become better so they can see who's there. And you'd always have that additional pathway of the, like the elite pathway, but then you could pull a bloke out of Premier Cricket. In Melbourne or Sydney or anywhere. The other as well. thing too is you got my cricket numbers don't lie. Instead of spinal bike. Hmm. Let's pick um, this Alex Mann guy. Oh, he averages 0.4 with the bat in the last three years. No, thank you. <laughs> but um, one thing that might two extra teams might help with is you won't get these situations like we had this year where guys like Aaron Finch and Glenn Maxwell who play fucking for Australia are told we don't mm. want you a first. Yeah. Time. Yeah, can't play shield cricket. Yeah, fuck it, dumb. Yes. Um, so the other thing was um, he wants to bring back the uh, Marsh Cup uh, one day is being played between shield games, or if that's not the case, he wants the entirety played in Feb and March. So in that two-month gap, he wants the whole season jammed in and banged out, which they do it for BBL, so there's no reason they couldn't do it for one-day cricket. Uh, it's spot on there. The Marsh Cup needs to be full. And this is uh, Cal Ferguson's point. He said... Australia's done ODI. He reckons that their form has suffered in because they're not getting enough practice at playing 50. I think he's got a valid point. Should we back up to 10? They're playing 14 BBL games. I know that's got a TV deal on it, but that uh, it's a bit much. 10 would have been fine with that as we had one season. 10 was good. Uh, anyway, that's not going to change. But yeah, back to 10. Um, uh, one day cup games. games. Yeah. yeah, and the simple way to do it is, yeah, straight after the BBL you're playing. And, for example, you don't need to go home and away. You just cut the travel a bit and say Victoria go to Queensland and play Queensland twice. And then they go back to Victoria and host New South Wales twice. Mm-hmm. And then you split, someone splits, so that say we play South Australia there and at home, and then you've each got five home games, five away games, and there's half as much travel. Yep. Sorted, Ross. Yeah, and traditionally yep, that's when easy. the days around that time as well. So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It'll be at the right time of the summer season anyway. Yeah, yeah. and they should get access then to the main grounds because most of those main grounds, at the football codes, not till later in March. Mm. So February, perfect time they can get on the SCG, MCG, no problem. Yep. Um, so the other thing um, Greg wants a bit more of a focus on, which I think has merit as well, he wants a more extensive Australia A season, for lack of a better term, to allow the fringe players to have more chance against top quality opposition, which I think is what has been part of what has driven India to become so, to be able to identify their talent better as well. Because India A, if you actually go through and have a look on ESPN Crick Info on that, India A is like somewhere all the time playing cricket against someone else. Like, so, like, and that's the thing, like, these guys, like, um, uh, the, young, the young bloke who come in to open the batting um, against us. Uh, fuck, I don't remember his name. Gil or Gil. Yeah, yeah, Gil. Yeah, Shubman. Gil. He'd made all these India eight fucking runs. And then uh, the other bowl that come in that everyone's like, I can't believe he took wickets. Took like 40 wickets in, mm. in for India eight. Yeah. Like, you know, 12 <laughs> months or something. So there's, um, so these guys, like, I think that's one thing Greg's right is that they're developing them better because instead of taking them straight out of shield, they've basically created a um, spot in between to further their development. So, yeah. okay. imagine, um, 
Yeah. Imagine Greg didn't create the problem he's trying to fix now. How good would that have been? And then basically, he didn't talk about the BBL, so basically leave that unchanged. There's too many money deals involved. Yeah, you're not changing that. Now, so that can stay there. But, um, but yeah, so that, that's basically yeah, the summary of what Greg Chubb was proposing. I think in its, in its bare bones, there's some really good points. There's obviously logistical issues in terms of fitting the games in the gaps he wants and whether also the two new teams are financially viable. Because the one thing apparently we've, we've been told without any crowds and all that, Cricket Australia went to the wall this fucking summer, which I don't believe in TV. <laughs> but anyway. Kevin fixed it. So that's what we But, um, yeah, so but I think there's definitely some merit there. It's just a matter of whether Cricket Australia will go that way, which I, I don't know. They might have been, it might be a case of uh, once bitten, twice shy with a Greg Chappell suggestion, I think. But Yeah. Well, I think 400 uh, times bitten. <laughs> yeah, his, his season structure is good and the domestic cricket season would run, say, August through to early mid-March, something like that. Yeah. Fine. Time for them to go to the IPL. Still go play a bit of county if they wanted to. April, May, June. Easy. Beautiful. All right. Um, David, I believe you have some thoughts, mate. Well, seeing how easy it is to fix cricket, I've decided to have a crack at it myself. So um, <laughs> I'm calling this Bull's Ideas to Make Cricket Better. And if it gets any traction, I might actually have a segment. Um, well, first idea, more hyphened team names at state level. Yes. <laughs> it's worked in Victorian Premier Cricket. We need more of it at the oh, state yes. level. Yeah, I like it. Can you give us an example of one, Paul? Uh Victorian hyphen bush rangers. <laughs> okay, I like it. Victorian hyphen men's hyphen cricket. That's right. Hyphen team. Uh, four stumps instead of three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has got a bit of slam ball about it, mate. I like Br- it. Bring back the super eights, Ross. I know you'll be into that. Yeah. I'm thinking <laughs> coloured tops, but keep the white pants just to change it up a bit. Yeah. <laughs> And my final uh, suggestion on how to make cricket better, cricket carnivals to be played under an actual big top. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yes. I, that last one's your best idea, mate. Really bringing a carnival atmosphere to yes, cricket. correct. Yes. So there you go. They're my ideas to fix cricket. Oh, I like it, Paul. I Good like segment, Paul. I'll request that every cricket week. Making cricket great again. <laughs> Imagine how many stumps I'd bloody get hit leaving the ball if there was four of them. There. You would have to act. It might improve your batting because you'd be forced to hit the ball. All <laughs> righty. So speaking of blokes who want to uh, revolutionise the game and have a proposal as well, Cal Ferguson chirped up during the fucking week too. So um, bullshit. So. The bike is, uh, he's becoming the new Michael Clark at the moment. He's becoming a bit of a sound bite machine himself, old Cal. Um, not afraid, not one afraid to give his opinion on the sport that doesn't want him anymore. Cal Ferguson <laughs> has also, also has some thoughts on the Australian summer. Um, Ferguson echoed Chapel's thoughts, but believes it should be one day games as well that played in the top end and then moved down south as the summer opens up. So he basically, he took the other kids' assignment and change some of the words and wrote yep. your name on the top. Just change it a bit so we don't get caught cheating. <laughs> <laughs> also, 
Um, I just interject there. Isn't that how it was done since one day cricket was first invented in Australia? They'd play one day cricket after they played a shield game in the same state. Yeah. Yeah. Next day. Yeah, got moved into the tournament situations only recently. So. Yeah, yeah. Only like the last 10 years or so, I reckon. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, Joel Ferguson, he's trying to create extra BBL teams so he can get a job. He wants more state teams. So he can get a job. <laughs> I, don't think, I think he's just trying to convince someone at Cricket Australia that he, that he needs a job. And... Yeah, <laughs> which I suggest getting into the ethics game for yeah. Cam. Creature <laughs> <laughs> and company call it the ethics hub. Yeah. Go from there. Go from there. Simple, simple. The ethics nerve centre. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't have much more information on Cal. Does anyone else have anything they want to chip in? I did. He had some. He had a bit of a go at the uh, BBL three rule changes. Oh, yes. Well, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. So he said he didn't mind the power surge, which was moving the final two power players around. Yeah. He was happy with that. Um, bonus point, he didn't like that at the halfway mark because yeah. he said in 50 over cricket, you get a bonus point if you win in 40 overs. So he thought it should replicate in T20 and you get it if you win at, uh, you know, in 17 or, or 18 yeah. overs. Yeah. So um, that made sense to me because that was that terrible situation in that last game of the home and away season where Sydney Sixers got the 10 over point and they just didn't have to win the game. Yeah. Because yeah. we got the point already. This dumb old mate, um, Trent Woodhill. And uh, then he didn't like the X Factor one. He said, I just couldn't understand what the point of that was. When you bring the player off the bench. I said, that's yeah. stupid. <laughs> yeah, all that. Like, like we've pretty much banged on about since they brought him in. All the fucking rule changes have come. Like, yeah. I don't mind the bonus point of chasing down a low total in, say, 17 overs. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, interesting and just knock it around. Because it actually, yeah. Well, it's what BBL's about. It's meant to be quick scoring yeah. and exciting, and that yeah. actually helps promote yeah. that. So, yeah. Yeah. But if they could keep the power surge, because I didn't mind that too much. It was a bit tactical, a bit interesting. I wouldn't say, I'd, you know, if they went back to six, I'd be like, yeah, it's fine yeah. as well. But that one could stay. But the bonus point at 10 overs was dumb, and the X factor was stupid. He's got so much expect to put him in the starting room. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And big news out of the second, Mick, they signed a whole heap of nobodies, plus <laughs> Brendan Doggett, shield-winning Queensland Paceman. <laughs> <laughs> the Doggett himself. Doggy dog. <laughs> so that's a bit of a coup for them. So they finally listened to Mike Hussey and gone and got some decent players from got other some states. Shit trucks. Oh, that's a bit surprising. <laughs> yeah, and some good trucks. At the end of the year, he was playing most of the Queensland games, so it's not like he's yep. a fringe bloke fringe. who needs to move somewhere to get an opportunity. So, so I reckon the, um, they said, how much are Queensland paying you? And they yeah. doubled it. That's what yes. I think. Yeah. Plus the draw of Hindley Street, you know, that's yeah. it's mm. hard to say no yeah. to. The, the Outback Hotel. Oh, no, what's it called? <laughs> Rosemont. Yeah. Woolshed. Wool that's, that's it. it. Yeah. With the Grockle. The mechanical bull. <laughs> Christ. Uh, 24 hour bakeries, a 24 hour pancake parlor that serves oh, Kransky pancakes as well. Pie floaters. Wow, they don't have that in Queensland, do they? No, they've got just they're pie face shops so everywhere, every second up, corner. Travis Head rocked up at Brendan Doggett's house, parked himself on the couch and said, 
So what a Queensland paying you, Brendan? And Brendan told him, and okay, mate, we'll give you two cans of Coke and two bags of Coke. <laughs> Brendan, we'll okay, double it. Speaking of blokes who won't be going to West Indies like Brendan Doggett, let's talk about the tour of blokes who aren't going to West Indies. That's very good. <laughs> so uh, the Qantas tour of the West Indies, which will be starting on 10th of July, uh, Australian time at 9.30am. Um, so basically it is a white ball tour. So we've got five T20Is and three ODIs, which show you where ODIs now rank in the world cricket situation. So the five... T20Is will be played at Darren Sammy Stadium in St. Yes. So basically you've got, uh, they'll be on July 10, 11, 13, 15 and 17, all starting pardon me, at 9.30am Australian time. So, oh, that's fucking great. So if you want to skip a day at work and watch the meaningless T20Is, July is the fucking month for you. <laughs> I've, I've got three letters for you, Nick. WFH. <laughs> Working from home. Oh, Se- oh, and the other two words, second monitor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great acronym. WFHSM, working yeah. from home, second monitor. Yeah. Um, and then we're like, yes, yeah, so and then uh, we've got three ODIs as well, which they'll be, they'll be moving to Barbados and they'll be playing them all three at Kensington Oval. They're on the 21st, 23rd, and the 25th. Uh, they're all day nighters, so they start at 4.30 a.m. So oh. the Aussies are bowl first. And you can watch them bat when you get up in the morning. So, um, so the squad, which is to be whittled down, because this is a preliminary squad, because that's mm. what we fucking need. We need squads, squads, squads. That's our podcast. Fucking make their money. Squads and squads. And squads. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, so we start off. Uh, Finchy Skipper. Then we got um, Ashton Agar, uh, Jason Berendorf, Alex Carey, Paddy Cummins, Josh Hazelwood. Moises Enriquez, uh, Mitch Marsh, Glenn Maxwell, the uh, music festival, Riley Meredith, uh, Josh Philippe, Jahai Richardson, Kane Richardson, his brother's going oh. on as well, uh, Tanvir Sanger, the Earl of Sandwich, we found out, um, Darcy Short, Stephen Smith, he must be a young boy, I haven't heard of him, um, <laughs> Dark, Marcus Stoinis, Mitchell Swepson, Andrew Suit and Tight, Matty Wade, David Warner, and Adam. Zampa. There's a lot of leg spinners in that squad. Yeah. Uh, Billy Stanlake didn't make the cut. <laughs> Surprise the fuck. Neither did Brendan Doggett or Cal Ferguson. Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Cal Ferguson's listening to our podcast just fucking like tearing up his living room right now since he found out. So. <laughs> Talking of Billy Stanlake, he's had a rough trip. He's Made it over to England to play a bit of county cricket and uh, mucked up his uh, quarantine. Had to wait another two weeks. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, it's interesting. It doesn't strike me as sort of like he'd muck up a detail like have quarantine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, sit down and shut the fuck up. It's not that hard, is it? <laughs> then uh, he did an interview about how Devo he was to miss out on the Queensland Shield for him. Yeah. And played a Shield game for a real season. Yeah, he stubbed his toe on a fucking coffee no, table. Sorry, you yeah. Yeah, that's right, Mick. And he played. He's playing for Derby, the worst county in England. What the division are they in? Pretty bad. No, nah, they're all mixed around this year. But they'd be if there were four divisions, they'd be at the bottom. <laughs> no, no, you know what? With Durham's Leicester, Durham's bad for one reason, mate. Yoga, yeah. bankrupt. Yoga. Two <laughs> fucking words. Cam 
fucking bankrupt. That's my he's, he's, not a, that he's not a he's not a stupid fucking idiots. Yeah. Yeah, it's because Marcus North is the head of the cricket program there or something. Oh, he's not a Durham, he's a Derby. Marcus fucking North and Cam fucking Bancroft. <laughs> Where's uh, Ross, if you want to repeat where Cam Bancroft is, mate? <laughs> yeah. right. Bancroft's at Durham. That's what he and, said. Um, Billy Stanlake's a Derby. Yeah. Different places. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, they sound the same. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to explain what happened. <laughs> they swapped around Durham. what they said. Oh, yes. we argue with the, the, the position swapped halfway through the conversation. Right, more ideas to make a cricket better. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of Cunts in County Cricket, one day incumbent Marnus Lubbershane and Cameron Green have both been left out of this. Yeah. I had a notice when I was reading the names out. So Lubbershane is currently in England playing County Cricket for Glamorgan. Uh, while Green has expressed his desire to have a strong preseason with WA and continue to work on his bowling, so he actually is voluntarily um, not going to the, to the West Indies. Doesn't like rum, apparently, so he's staying home. Um, is he insane? Which is, is weird. He insane. Last bloke who voluntarily uh, stayed at home Dude. from a tour was Stuart McGill, and he didn't mm, go to look what he is, for uh, yeah. moral reasons. Then. <laughs> Oh, so I look forward to a story about Cam Green getting kidnapped for 24 years. <laughs> yeah, you know what will happen, too, when they go on kidnapping? They'll bump his head on the car door because he's so fucking... <laughs> he won't be so lucky, <laughs> I don't think, yeah. I thought, Paul, I thought you were going to say the last bloke to voluntary skip cricket was Alex Mann when he went to Tassie and missed a grand final. Ah, oh, I should have. I definitely should have. Uh, yep, that definitely happened. Um, look, I want to put out a statement here that this rumour and innuendo needs to stop now. Um, <laughs> it's not fun anymore. Stop I wasn't part it. of this. Yes, I was cheating adjacent. I wasn't or travelling adjacent. I wasn't <laughs> travelling on my own accord. So, um, as the article states, Love of Shame was deeply upset at having to miss the tour due to logistical complexities. He's yet to play T20 cricket for Australia, but showed his potential in the shortest format with a key role for the Brisbane Heat on their run deep into the KFC BBL finals, according to mm. cricket.com. Um, anyone who knows Marnus understands he would give absolutely anything to play for Australia and is deeply upset to miss out due to circumstances beyond anyone's control, said Trevor Holmes. We worked through numerous options in conversations with Marnus to find a workable solution, but ultimately came to the conclusion it was more practical for him to remain in the UK. Had we not been in the middle of a global pandemic, Marnus would be on this tour as a well-established member, an important part of the one-day side. It's an unfortunate circumstance of the many challenges the world is facing right now. As it stands, Marnus has the opportunity to continue county cricket and T20 games with Morgan as we head into the World Cup in the home summer. So the part that really got me there was um, anyone who knows Marnus understands he would give absolutely anything to play for Australia and is deeply upset to miss out. Swim then, cunt. Due to circumstances beyond his control. Don't sign for a county team, you fuckhead. You can play for Australia. It's that fucking simple. That's in your control, Marnus. And if that means you can absolutely anything to play, give up your fucking county contract, you know? <laughs> uh, I know we spoke... Uh, we call it off-air, but it's a podcast, so we're uh, never on here, are we? But um, I know we spoke about it and how he couldn't just go from the UK to the Caribbean. Yep. But... There is probably a potential hiccup from 
uh, quarantine point of view. Maybe, yeah, maybe the Caribbean unallowing okay. people from the UK in. Um, I don't know if we have any UK correspondents anymore because we haven't heard from them in about 10 years. So <laughs> uh, if one of them know and are still listening, which I doubt, let us know. Uh, it's a good point, David. Sorry, go, go Roscoe. Yeah, it's a good point because uh, what's his name? said a whole lot of junk, but he didn't actually tell us the reason. Mm. Exactly uh, right. So, yeah, it's just, just, just say, yeah. just tell the reason. That's oh, right. Yeah. If it's as simple as the West Indies saying, yeah. our borders, like the border, so say Barbados, where the fucking, uh, where this one day is up. If, they, if it's as simple as that Barbados has said our borders are closed to the UK or that you have to do a, a so many week quarantine mm, yeah. or you'll miss the matches or whatever it is, just fucking tell us, Trevor. Why is it a fucking secret, mate? Come on, Trevor. I don't understand. I'm putting that on my list. Sack Trevor Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is the best way to make it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just going back to Cameron Graham. Yes, it. Uh, Cameron Green, it is a bizarre decision. Like, um, yeah, he's really tall. Apparently, he wants to be cherry ripe for the ashes. Yeah. So he's um, just Ooh, he's obviously been tapped on the shoulder and said, "You're in, mate." Yeah. yeah. So, but, the, but I, I looked at it, and the ashes start on the eighth of December, and it's now the twentieth of May. Um, what he couldn't do a bit of fitness work now and get prepped and then go to the West Indies in, in July. A few games in the ruck and the waffle twos to get his <laughs> uh, yeah, pick up in basketball with a couple of mates. He's got to do what would that be? 25 mini pre seasons. Yeah, so <laughs> once you got that um, under your belt, you can play Ashes. All right, well, it's, it's pretty I, simple maths. Um, it also it fits into, I suppose, if he goes over there in July, he would miss out on doing triathlon with his WA teammates <laughs> yes. and uh, goal kick, footy goal kicking practice on Friday. Maybe, so maybe they found out in the up. summer in the bubble in the hub that he um, doesn't enjoy playing FIFA, so they don't want him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anywhere else because he doesn't want to play FIFA. So. Yeah, it's not a Call of Duty fan either, so it's a double yeah. whammy for Cam yeah. Green. How much time do you need to prepare for something? It's May. You the, need, you the, need that the, in, the, the tour is in July and the ashes start on the 8th of December. Come <laughs> on. That was the real reason. For every centimetre he is tall, mate. Yeah, <laughs> good point. <laughs> Just he needs on. one year to prepare for every wicket he's taken in first class cricket. So. <laughs> uh, speaking uh, of the Ashes, we'll quickly touch on the schedule for this summer has been announced. So we'll quickly have a go through this. So um, the summer kicks off on November the 27th at Blundstone Arena down in Tasmania, where we will be taking on Afghanistan. So... Looking forward to that. I'm actually, yeah, I'm, yeah. Cool. I'm genuinely intrigued and excited I'm worried. as to what could happen here. I'm um, worried. I'm We're going like to get beat. Frozen <laughs> isn't known to spin to face them. That's fucking... Mm. Yeah, that, well done. So many Cricket Australia is using their fucking noodles, so well done. <laughs> noodle. <laughs> um, but this has the potential to be a three-day test and not because of Afghanistan. So... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> last time Australia played a test in Hobart wasn't it against the Saffirs and we lasted about three days oh yeah fuck okay. mm. but no I'm generally oh, excited yeah, fuck. this will only be what <laughs> the second or third time to play to me uh yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Not yeah. Many. 
interesting, Nick, you make a good point there that uh, Majid Uraman and Rashid Khan probably won't be suited to the, uh, the deck down at the Blundstone. However, we may have played into the hands of our mate Paul Darbin. So that's something. Oh, yeah. Mr. Muscle. Yeah, he might be down there, just you know, 120k an hour dibbly dobblies. I will, <laughs> I will say that if he has to field a ball in the cold of um, Tassie, he might just run off like he did when he dived for a ball and scuffed his arm during the World Cup. He might just sprint straight off the ground, mid over. Ow! <laughs> Give me some. Give me a pat on oh, I do remember hurt. that. Yeah. <laughs> and that was hell. the my second highlight of the World Cup. The, the top highlight being the blokes playing their guitar that was a cricket bat. Oh, <laughs> that pedo bloke. Jesus Christ. Allegedly. Fucking so, hell. I forgot Ross, about that guy playing one riff and then stopping. Don't even play a song. Sorry. He couldn't play the whole riff because he only had three, three <laughs> strings on his guitar. So in, I know the first three notes to Sandman. After that, I'm a bit lost. <laughs> 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 <Just> <laughs> again. Sorry, we Australian music. Alrighty, so after that, test winds up on December first, as Roscoe alluded to. The Ashes start on December the eighth. We start off uh, at the Gabatoir, the uh, traditional home of the opening test, apart from this year when they didn't have it. But um, yeah, so we're going to head up there to, to play to play there. Um, from there, we move on. The 16th will be at the Adelaide Oval um, for the second test. The third test will be a Boxing Day at the mighty, mighty MCG. Um, the fourth test in a bit of a turnabout because normally the SCG hosts the fifth and final. But no, the fourth test will be at the SCG. The traditional, um, I think it's the... Valentine's Day test now because it's so. Uh, it's on the 5th of January, so um, so Classic. it's the uh, 5th test. Um, and finally, uh, the last, uh, the the fifth and final test will be at Perth at Optus Stadium, um, in on January the 14th. That kicks off. So, uh, this could be a very interesting summer, I think. So, um. I did see a report somewhere that after Darren Stevens has been given a few of the um, Aussie blokes a bit of a uh, rousing in the county, people are saying they should bring him onto a plane, get him on a plane and bring him to Australia. <laughs> I wholeheartedly fucking agree with that sentiment. <laughs> on those pitches, that cunt will go to about 30 and over and we will fucking win. So bring him, <laughs> bring three of him. Let him bowl from both fucking ends. Bring them all, oh, bring all the Darren Stevens you have. Here's a name. <laughs> Is a name that Ross might remember. Uh, Craig, uh, a poor man's Craig White, Roscoe. Oh, yes, he is. Yeah. He's probably he younger than Craig him. White, too. <laughs> I remember him. He's, ah. he's brother-in-law to um, Darren Buffling. Oh, there you go. There you go. And he played cricket in Bendigo. Mm. Wow. Worrying trend. Now, Mick, here's, I've got some interesting days of the week that these test matches are starting on. Yes, the Ross, Afghanistan test up. match starts on Saturday. Mm, yes, please. Yeah. Oh. And the the first Ashes test in Brisbane starts on a Wednesday. Oof, nice. There's a day off. I actually like that start date because I, I just think test cricket on a Monday or a Tuesday is just but no Asinine. Yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. fit it all to midweek. It's got to cover the weekend at some stage. Yeah, but you, you can start Wednesday start to me is better than a Friday start. Friday start could finish on Tuesday. Who's interested in watching cricket on Tuesday? Me. No. Nah, what not the most, the most, not normal people. Yeah. 
What's that, sorry? What day does the Boxing Day test start on? <laughs> That's on Boxing Day, Nick. <laughs> uh, it's probably a Tuesday, I think, because Christmas is a Sunday this year, so probably whatever, Monday. Maybe after Christmas, whatever day that is. Yeah, day after Christmas. <laughs> and uh, it's good to see that Sunday. in Sydney they've uh, reverted, in New South Wales, they're actually in year 2022, going back to the Julian calendar. Oh, so they have New Year's test there. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Mm. Excellent. So speaking of yeah. Ashes, this will be a there will be a concurrent Ashes series as the women's Ashes will also oh, nice. played in this um, summer. They'll actually start later in January in uh, twenty twenty two. Clean air. But um, so Good. they'll play a test match at Monica on the twenty seventh to the thirtieth. Nice. So um, yeah, so that's them there. Um, then they they'll play uh, three T twenties on Feb fourth, sixth, and tenth. Then they'll play one, two, three ODIs at the junk. Actually, first ODIs at Adelaide Oval, the second tour at the junk. So, um, and that will wind up, they'll finish up on February the 19th. So the girls will have the chance to win the Ashes or to defend, win whatever fucking they're going on. I'm assuming they're winning because they're pretty strong. Yeah, they won the last one. Yeah, they'll, have, they'll be defending the Ashes on Australian soil as well. So, um, Yes, it's a pretty big summer from a point of view that we're taking on uh, both the men's and the women's taking on England. So uh, they're pretty two extreme yeah. series. So. Exciting summer. Yeah, very Just uh, got you a day of the week update there, Nick, that yep. the women's test starts on a Monday. Seems to be shit, but there you go. Mm. Excellent. It's only four days, which is standard for women's cricket. But the Afghanistan test is listed for five days. Yeah. Good. Your thoughts, Alex, on that women's test starting on a Monday? Um, I'll be there, so can't come doesn't matter. I've got leave. I've got leave. <laughs> Being Jan 27th, well, that's, that'll be the actual Australia Day public holiday. That yeah, true. So one, uh, one day is not a work day, but I don't know. That's, I think that's crap. One start on the Saturday. Yeah, true. True. All the other test matches go across weekends. Probably Not everyone week. like me may have leave on that week. So yeah. I see. Yeah, That's I understand true. your point of view. Thinking outside of just what affects mm. me and me only. Um, mm. Yeah, it should start probably on a Thursday, I would say. So um, apart from uh, the dirty, rotten bath dodgers, we'll also have some other people visiting us over the summer. So uh, the boys from New Zealand will head on over. We'll play them in uh three odis and a t20 in late january early feb Fuck, how exciting uh, yep so perth mm. hobart the scg and monica will have the t20 in that series uh then yes alex have they put up the chapel hadley trophy because apparently only new zealand chooses when that can get played off on so there's, there's a bit of a fucking rumor going around that i heard yeah happen on that <gasps> lizard people of new zealand ate the trophy <laughs> So that's why we haven't played off for it for a while. Lizard people of New Zealand. <laughs> Huge if true. Oh, how good. Uh, I also heard the talk from the Chapinon people that um, Kane Williamson is in fact a were sheep. Yeah. Oh, no. A wolf, but a sheep. Yeah, because it's from New Zealand, of course. Which is yeah, why that's... Like, it's why he doesn't like playing day night games because he's a were could uh, that's like you know you can't fault that logic. So I'm going to say I believe Chapman. So oh, that's very um, good. And lastly, and definitely <laughs> not leastly, we will take on Sri Lanka in a 
five T20i series as well. Oh, how exciting. He's got time for it, Paul. It's in mid-February. Yeah, so <laughs> it's basically about, about a week in mid-Feb, so... Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So this wait. is... The Gabba, there'll be one at Metricon on the Gold Coast, one at the Adelaide Oval, and Feb oh. 20, penciling in, Bull, because this is the one you'll be going to, at the MCG. Oh, so I'm too far to draw. Two, two by then, so this will be the display. <laughs> oh, ring, ring a ding. 100,000 people just blowing the roof off the place. So. <laughs> Once in a lifetime. Once in a Righto. Uh, it's good to see they've um, given Hobart the pick of the test matches and games as they always do. So they're giving the Afghanistan test starting on Saturday. That's not too bad. In November, the only test outside the December January period. And then they've given them a single T20 against Sri Lanka on a Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they got an ADI against New Zealand. They didn't get a T20. Did they? I'll make that ruins the story. Don't don't bring the truth in, please. Don't. Yeah, cut that out, please, Mick. Uh, I, I apologise. And three, two, one, cut. Yeah, okay, right. Uh, um, can I just say, is this yeah. is the reason there's so many fucking T20s? Is because the World Cup's coming up in India at some stage, right? right? So. I'm yeah. assuming that's why we're playing five yeah. in fucking. Um, the ICC, in their wisdom, brought in a limit of. Three ODIs per series, and then oh, okay. the ODI league, you know, that's all just a bit of nonsense and no one can understand. But yeah. when they did that, they didn't bring in a T20 limit and a league, yeah. so you can have as many or as little as you want. So five seems to be the going rate at the moment. Uh, yeah, well, because you've cut their two one didn't day game. on five right, against so. New Zealand as well. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, so um. Yep. That, Very no, exciting. Like that'll all be on K, not on free to wear, so that'll be good. Cool, Ross. Shut up, Ross. <laughs> yeah. So, no uh, yeah. So that's all we've got for this episode of the Fred. Oh, the Frederick Howard of the Mid Off Bucket. Um, so we're sponsored by Frederick Howard. So you go hit them up for all your stock wearing needs. Um, yeah. Let me just say, fuck. That was pretty much. That was it. Fuck. <laughs> Um, Just a final thought from me, man. Can I, before Ross's final thought, can I come in and do a final bake, please? I'm sorry, yes, um, Bull. No, it's okay. Can I bake our fucking listeners? Because I made a fucking good meme that was funny and it's got one like and one share, and I reckon that's you, Mick, that's liked and shared it. It may be. Yeah. Fuck that meme was funny. I spent a lot of time doing it because I'm fucking terrible at Microsoft Paint or whatever I used to build that fucking thing. Uh, it's unacceptable. Be better is what I want to say to our listeners, all right? Be fucking better. Bullshit. Over to you, Ross. Yes, Roscoe. Just in case you want to work, the IPL has been postponed and we're just uh, waiting to see when it might recommence. Cool stuff. All righty, that'll do us here. So you always said hit up the Frederick Howard Sock Company. Um, thank you for them to continually support us. Um, I don't know why, but they do. Jesse, you're a good lad. <laughs> Um, Alrighty, <laughs> so that's us done here. So thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> brilliant, See you dudes. Absolutely well. brilliant. <laughs>